believe in the sun I believe in the risen one I believe I overcome By the power of His blood Amen like a bit hard rain which turns into uh, hail and him and I were running with our little fishies and just booking it for the old campsite and it was his his um, the father-in-law's um, camper at that point we booked it and dad or uh, Kyler says dad what do I do and my only advice to him was run right because now the hail was nailing us and poor Norm my father-in-law was back in the boat he was getting nailed by hail and all he could do is find a tarp and hold them up hold the tarp up with his fingers, and if the, if the hail hit his fingers, it killed. So that's the kind of storm that happens in Penticton sometimes. So there we were trying to find some kind of refuge, and after the whole thing was over, we could poke out our heads. Uh, we looked around and looked up to the vineyard area, and there was this whole new gully that had come down, all the gravel, all the soot, all the, all the sand, everything had just came right across the road, and we're just like, look at all this. Like, we couldn't even drive some of these places. The road coming down had been closed, everything. And then we turn the corner, and we look into our luxurious condo-like uh, Costco tent. And uh, do we have a picture of it? And this is what it looked like. Hopefully, you can see it. Oh, you can't at all. But nonetheless, there was my luxurious tent, and all of this is about four inches of just mud and soup and everything else. So that, it was this disaster and everything broke in this tent. It's probably Costco. We could probably bring it back, right? But nonetheless, I don't think we did. But anyway, we couldn't stay in there, obviously, and we had to go find a hotel room that day. But our tenting days were over. Both me, Jody and I are looking at each other. No, never again. And that's the graduation from tent to a tent trailer to finally a, a trailer. But that kind of brings us to what we're talking about because when we go tenting, whenever you go camping, you're never there for a long time, Right? You're tenting there, you've come for a temporary time, you've come for just a, a time where you can visit, or you can camp, or you can check out the area, go rock climbing, or into the lake, but you're never meant to stay there for a long time. And it kind of brings us into what we're talking about this morning. And perhaps I can ask, before I get into there, I can ask you a question. Have you ever had an experience where you've moved into a new neighborhood, or you've tented into a new place, and you've had an interesting experience like I was just talking about here. Is there a chance that you moved into a new neighborhood and you've asked yourself the question, what have we done? Or you're in a new community, you have new friends, hopefully, uh, or you get a grumpy neighbor, or perhaps you have a neighborhood which has a hidden secret like Archie and Jughead's Riverdale. I don't know. But nonetheless, when you go into a new neighborhood or you're uh, tenting, what do you expect or what do you find? Question, what does it look like when Jesus moves into your neighborhood? Or what did it look like when Jesus 
tented way back when, and God became flesh and dwelt among us. What happened? What was it like? When he moved into the neighborhood, what did he find? What did he sense? What were his neighbors like? Did he know he was there just for a short time or for a long time? What were people thinking? We've been looking into the Gospel of John. This is the third Sunday. And I love it because we camped out in in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. And there we realized that there were so many parallels between John chapter 1, the introduction, shall we say, of Jesus Christ or God coming into the world, into the cosmos. We realize that world is something that John is pumped about. He uses the word 78 times. He uses grace a whole bunch of times. And it is linked all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created. Or, and we saw that John is just incredibly linked back right to Genesis. And then he goes on to mention Moses. Last week, we saw that um, they were talking about John, and he said that there was a man sent from God. His name was John. And we figured out last week that because of that, it's important that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we experience him personally, because then we get to witness him. So all the cool things that he's done in your life, the prayers that he's answered in your life, and that is an opportunity for you to communicate with your kids or your neighborhood or whatever. But God wants to do something in your life He wants you to witness his power so that you can communicate that to others by the way you speak, by the way that you live, and you're in your neighborhood for a reason. Maybe we should even say today that you are tenting in your neighborhood for a short while, and you're there for a purpose. So with that in mind, would you turn with me to John chapter 1? Surprise. John chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. We'll be looking at the ESV version. John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. You have that, Tennyson? Go, okay, here we go. John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said. He who comes after me ranks before me because... He was before me. And from his fullness, we have received, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus has made him known. So in in another um, version of the Bible, it says this. The word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous, inside and out, true from start to finish. John pointed him out and called, this is the one, John says, this is the one. The one I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me. He was always, he's always been ahead of me, has always had the first word. Verse 16 in this, other, um, in this other version. We all live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses and then this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding. All this came through Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. 
No one has ever seen God, not so much as a glimpse. This one-of-a-kind God expression who exists at the very heart of the Father has made him plain as day. Isn't that cool? And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. And here this other version is just saying, and he has made, Jesus has made the glory of God plain as day. I love that. God does not stop in his pursuit of you. He has shown it over and over again, right from giving us the commandments in the Old Testament to sending Jesus Christ, his son, to put on skin is really what that means. And to live among us, dwell among us, so that we can behold his glory and we realize, wow, I need that. I want that. I want to be changed by the glory of Jesus Christ. So the first thing I want us to see today, I want us to see a few things. Um, the one is a church word that I was humming and hawing going, do I use a church word? But I will. It's a word that's great for Scrabble. It's called incarnation. So it's the incarnation. It's the putting on of skin. So what happens here, the glory of God, God puts on skin, and that's called the incarnation. So this is incredible and very unique to Christianity because we don't just have a pretty good guy. We don't have a, just a kind of a neat prophet or he had some great things to say. We have God putting on skin, the only begotten son of God, full of grace and truth. And it's interesting here because if you're one of these guys or these ladies that likes the neat things in scripture, the word dwelt, so... Um, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That actually means tabernacled or tented. But here's something that's kind of neat for you, is the Greek word dwelt actually uses letters, three radicals and stem letters of, of the same word in, in uh, Hebrew, in the Old Testament, that means Shekinah or glory. So they're very closely related. He tabernacled or he dwelt among us and the glory of the New Testament bring them, they're so terribly closely related, really meaning God's presence with us. Old Testament, the glory of God, the Shekinah, his presence was with us. Now in the New Testament, he tented among us. Isn't that cool? So if you're kind of that kind of student where you like, like, oh, there's something here in the original language, and it is, it's fabulous. His glory rested with his people. The tent of meeting was a place, was a meeting place where God dwelt with his people in the Old Testament, Exodus 40, if you want to check that out. And it's the same glory that filled uh, Solomon's temple in the Old Testament. And the word became, uh, became flesh also means he pitched his tent among us. And the wording that he use here, uses here is it's a continuous or it's, it's, it denotes a presence and the glory of God. He is present with us. He is present. The tent of meeting where he dwells with his people. The tabernacle or tent of meeting in the midst of people served as a vivid reminder or a symbol of his divine presence in the wilderness. So if you can imagine the Old Testament, when they finally got away from captivity, and there, whenever they, wherever they camped, they set up the... the um, the tent or the tabernacle, and that was the presence of the glory of God. The burning fire in the sky, the cloud, the pillar, all of that represented the glory of God, that he was among his people. And that was moving with them and leading them into the promised land. Into the promised land. And it's interesting, because now in the New Testament, we're looking at this and we're saying, and he dwelt among us, he presenced among us. 
So what gets me excited is the very God that we serve, the very God that you experience is the very same God that hung out with Moses, Noah, Solomon, Isaiah, Ezekiel. Like, think about that. Because, I mean, lots of you like to maybe travel in Europe, and you go, oh, my goodness, do you know who stood here? You know who used to be pastor of this? John Newton's buried over here, and you're going, oh, this is so cool. Think about this for a second. The very same God that presenced himself among his people is the very same God that presences himself among us. I love that. And it reminds us of what he says in Hebrews. I am the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So lots seems to be changing in our culture. Lots of stuff. Sometimes we're worried for our kiddos because even church seems to be getting dumbed down. In fact, I got an email today that seems like expository preaching is way low in churches these days. because Maybe people aren't interested in it. Nonetheless, we need to proclaim the truth and your story, God's story in you, so that people understand that Jesus is crazy about you and God sent Jesus so he could have a relationship with you. And it's really important, which we saw last week, that we need to have a relationship with Christ so we can see him at work and we can communicate to other people around us. The, the reality of his divine presence among us. The final phrase here, he was full of grace and truth, is certainly an echo of, again, the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 34. And I love it because it's a, a word that reminds us in Exodus of chesed. Remember, we've talked about that before? his loving kindness, his steadfast love. It's a covenant love, a love where he loves you even though you've been a jerk, or he loves you even though you have not sought after him. So it's this incredible pursuing love. And now in the New Testament, he's using kind of the same language, and he's reminding us of that faithfulness, that steadfast love in Jesus Christ. And not only that, we saw last week that when we use truth, the Greeks had more of a, th a thought of truth as in, can you verify it? Can you logistically and logically, okay, is this truth? But then in other cultures, it was more of a looking at God as faithful, as dependable. And when you put those together, and how I'm hopefully trying to weave this for you today, is you see something in John, you see something in your, your life, you can look back thousands of years ago, and it's the same God and once you actually look at it deeply, you can actually see that God has been at work powerfully. The same God, his glory has been at work way back with Moses, way back with John, and right now with you. And that shows the truth of scripture. Not only the truth as you can look at it, whoa, this is cool, this makes sense, but his faithfulness, his faithfulness, his loving kindness, his dependability. And last week we admitted that lots of us have had dads that weren't dependable, but we have a heavenly father that is dependable and faithful, and that's awesome. So he brings these two terms together, truth, thinking, logic, and also faithfulness and dependability. Really exciting stuff. In truth, Jesus fulfills the truth of the law and the symbols of the Old Testament scripture. So the New Testament with Jesus at the center reveals fully that truth. Now, let me pause here and say that some people are all about the New Testament and not the Old Testament. I'm not a fan of that. 
yeah, we need to camp out in the New Testament, but we got to understand the New Testament through the whole eyes of even the Old Testament. When we see the expectation and the glory of God and some of the stuff where you're going, what? I can't believe that was the character of God. But then you see also very well balanced his desire to connect his loving kindness that he sent Jesus to die because there's no chance that we could have got God's attention the way we were living. There's nothing you can do to find self-forgiveness. It's in Jesus. So when you realize, you look at the law of God, and each one of us has messed that up, thou shall not commit adultery, thou shall not kill, it goes on, thou shall not covet, all that stuff. You've all done something in that list because Jesus makes it way worse. He says, I tell you the truth. If you've even thought about committing adultery, boom, you're guilty of the sin. Well, now we're all hooped. That's why we need Jesus Christ. And I love this because this is not something that you can just check, 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 check. Just like he said in Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Isn't that wonderful? So even when you have done something stupid, but you didn't mean to, God understands. He knows the heart. And although the whole church might think you're the best guy, but yet at home you're a big jerk to your wife and to your children, guess which version God sees? He doesn't want you to deal with the outward appearance. He wants you to deal with the heart. With the heart. It's an incredible connecting phrase. The very glory that Moses' witness is the glory that John is talking about, an everlasting glory that we see in Jesus Christ. And so let's transition from the incarnation, God putting on skin, and I want us just to camp out just a wee bit with the word glory. Now, the word glory is something that's incredible because nobody, Scripture even talks about that nobody has seen the glory of God. Now, you can find places where somebody has caught a glimpse of the back of God, Moses even said, let me see your glory. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what, I'll rip through and then you can just catch a glimpse. And he did, and his face was sunburned for days. How about that for glory? So he didn't see his face, not the face, and yeah, he was glowing. So he had to wear a veil so that people weren't distracted. Like, can you imagine if I come to church here and my face is, be pretty cool. But he also wore the veil, not only to be distracted, but guess what? The glory was fading. So there's something about the law that doesn't get things done. It was a foretaste. It was a salt block. It was something that was supposed to point you toward the future, toward the grace that was coming. I love this. So the glory, it's a, a glimpse, humbles you and makes you want more or to be better. And I've talked to you before that I don't, I think this is a lost art. Like, to come into the presence of God is a big deal. You might not feel it all the time, but for us to actually be free within his presence, a lot of things happen in the heavenlies. There was a big battle going on. He was killed at the hands of men and women. And that was the devil's plan. But the devil couldn't keep a good man down. And he rose again and conquered death. Oh, death, where is your sting? It's a big deal. So for us to come into the presence, 
the almighty presence of God is such a privilege that when you walk along the beach, you can have a conversation that was not free. When you walk in, or you, you hit the ski, uh, ski hill and you go snowboarding down Mount Baker and you look around at the mountains and the one who created it and you say, God, thank you, this is incredible. For it to actually get to that point where he, you can chat with him, incredible. Because now, the law's not done with, but when God sees you, because of your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus sits at the right hand of God and he's about to look at Steve and go, oh, God says, Steve, really? You did it again? I get, and Jesus is like, I'm dumbing it down here a lot, but Jesus is like, hold it. He's put his faith in me, his trust in me. And God sees me through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's incredible stuff. There's a newness there. It's just not Steve anymore. It's Steve in Christ. It's Steve in Christ. So we're not just talking about inspiration here when we talk about glory, but we're also talking about transformation, about transformation. Let me read Exodus 33 for you. And this is a fantastic story. I hope we have, no, we don't have it behind us. Ah, shoot, Exodus 33. So if you've got your Bibles, take a moment because this is good stuff. We're gonna be in Exodus and we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians. These are two fantabulous portions of scripture that I hope just melt you and realize this is an incredible privilege that we have. Exodus 33, starting at verse 17, this is what it says. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Ah, I love that. God says, I know you by name, Moses. Now, Moses says, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim... I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, which we have seen in other weeks, the great I am, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he says, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Did you get that? So the guy that you talk to when you're on the beach or, or snowboarding in Mount Baker, this is the one where if you actually see God, you cannot live. And Moses says, can I see your glory? So this is a really neat conversation where we get to be a fly on the wall. <clears throat> you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you, can, you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you will see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And this is the story where he gets his wicked sunburn and he's glowing for so long. He has seen partially the glory of God. He has to wear a veil. But you guys, when Jesus Christ came and put on skin, the incarnation, this is what happens. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, check this out in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 to 18, which is referencing the story that we just read about Moses. Show me your glory and he has to put the veil over his face. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 to 18 says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. 
But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, when they read the Old Testament, when they read the law of God, that same, uh, that same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. In verse 17, if you got a highlighter, if you got a pen, if you got a pencil, if you got to cut yourself and underline it with whatever, here we go, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Woo! Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I don't know about you, but this gets me excited. Because here we see a huge link, which gives you a real uh, sense that the Word of God is true, alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. You can trust it. And not only that, it is, it's a communication of a person, the person of God, the person of the Holy Spirit, the person of Jesus Christ. So you got the verification, this is true, but you also got the verification because you're in relationship. And here he's saying, that, check this out, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So if you're still sitting on your good works, or if you're still thinking that you, you can just go by the law of God, you're still veiled. You're like, you're like looking at Moses, you're like the Israelites who don't quite get it. And I don't know if you're like this, but when lots of people, when they come to Christ, they've been looking at Scripture and they're going, this makes no sense. And finally, they submit themselves, Jesus, I don't quite get it, but I, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and I want a relationship with you. Then it's almost like, and some verses that made no sense, all of a sudden, magnified, illuminated, and you're going like, how did I not understand that? Because you were now quickened to understand it by the Holy Spirit of God. This has huge implications. This will change your marriage. This will change your walk with God. This might be the answer to your struggle with porn. This might be the answer to your aloneness and thinking you need to be married or whatever that might be. But this is huge. The Lord will open your eyes. The Lord will open your eyes. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So we're looking here in Exodus and there's this veil there's this glory that's fading away. And in, in 2 Corinthians in the New Testament, he's just saying like, this is fulfilled in Jesus Christ because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, the veil is taken away. Remember even in the New Testament where Jesus rose from the grave, that whole death and resurrection of Christ, what happened in the temple? This huge veil that shielded people from the glory of God. What happened to that veil? When he died, man, when he gave his life for you, all of a sudden, the glory of God was available. The presence of God was available to us. This is huge. This is huge. Remember a couple weeks ago, I referenced um, John. <clears throat> no, it wasn't John, John's dad. He went into the Holy of Holies to give sacrifices and burn incense. And he was trepidatious and scared about it. And they tie a rope around his leg just in case they had to pull out the charred remains. Like, think about that. This is how serious they took the doxa, the glory, the shekinah of God. Like, educated, these aren't dummies. These are educated, like they've been following the law, but they also know the glory of God. No, you do it, no, I'll do it. Well, tie a rope around my leg. So they put him in 
And he went and worshiped the Lord, and just in case. And that is the God we serve because that veil is gone now in Jesus Christ. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <laughs> it's amazing. So, this freedom in Christ brings us transformation, and this is what I like. This sets Christianity apart, you guys, because we didn't just have a nice guy or a prophet or a pretty cool guy, a great Bible teacher die, or he was whatever. He died, but what's really cool is that when he died, he rose again, and now he brings us transformation. So he just doesn't expect a whole lot. He actually empowers you to live through him, you have seen the glory of God by having an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe and you trust in Jesus, what he died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the grave. You put your faith in that, and now you start to walk with him. You have freedom in that. And now some of the things you used to struggle with, you probably still do. But now there's a newfound freedom because the Holy Spirit of God is alive and active in your life, and he can bring you freedom from those things that used to hold you in bondage. The law was wonderful but do not have, did not have the power to save us and empower us to live right before God. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And I, I gotta stop there and say one more thing. That when he said in the, in the verses, uh, I think it's verse 18, he gives us grace upon grace, or in the other version he said gift upon gift upon gift. There was kind of a, um, something in theology is kind of like a stairwell of, of sayings. And what it does is, first of all, it mentions it twice, so pay attention, grace upon grace. Huh, said it twice, pay attention to grace. But also, when he's all, he seems to be also looking at Moses, and that was a grace, but now this is a, a grace upon grace. So it's like Moses was the breadcrumbs, so you're, you're following the breadcrumbs, you're paying attention, and then all of a sudden, grace upon, no. So you're following the law of God, or you're following God's breadcrumbs, and then all of a sudden, you look up and Whoa, this law does not condemn me. This law brings me freedom in Jesus Christ. We're still sinners. We've still messed up. We all fall short. But now through faith in Christ, we have a newfound freedom. Not only that, an empowerment to live for him. He gives us that power. Incredible stuff. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I'll reference uh, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And part of uh, 1 and 2 says, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When he uses transform, you probably all know that it's that metamorphosis, that metamorpho, that whole thing of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Incredible, transforming, totally changed. And that's what he's offering us. He gives us the Holy Spirit of God, not just to inspire us, but to transform us to transform us, transform our standing with God, transform our appetite to turn away from stuff that just satisfies our selfish desires, transform our appetites to love the stuff that God loves. Because of the transformation that you have experienced through relationship with Jesus, the incarnation still has impact. So we're coming back around. Jesus tented among us, and now... I want to send you out to go camping. Go camping. Go camping. So if you actually do go camping or if you're just camped in your background, whatever it is, when you are camping, that, in a sense, 
is the incarnation. That, in a sense, is the spirit of God is tenting there. You're not in your neighborhood just because you couldn't afford the bills over there, so now you're over there. Don't you think that God has a little bigger plan for you? Like, oh, shoot. No, he's got you there on purpose. So wherever, if you're at a lame job right now, well, you aspire to different things, but big deal. Right now, you're at that lame job. Now realize that you are there. The Holy Spirit of God is tenting there. Wherever you are. The feet and hands of Jesus are there because you are there. The incarnation, the tenting of God. And I love this, and I won't stay here long, but Acts 1 says about this. He says, then the, the Holy Spirit will come upon us, and we will, he, he will give us this power, this dynamo, this dynamite, so that we can actually go and be his witnesses everywhere. But he said in Acts that, wait here, because I'm sending a what? A helper, a paraclete. One who comes alongside. And so Jesus was among us for a while. He tented. But when he left, did he just leave us high and dry? No, he sent Jesus, or sorry, he sent the Holy Spirit of God. He sent the Holy Spirit of God. And we see this in Acts. So he left. So now the Holy Spirit of God is alive and active with Rob and Kara Bustin in Ethiopia. He's with our missionaries in Bolivia. He's with you if you're studying at uh, Abbotsford, Trinity Western. If you're doing a lame job, if you're here at church, wherever you are, the Holy Spirit of God is residing in you so that wherever you are, there's an incarnation. The presence of Jesus Christ is there because you are. I love it. So Jesus still camps out among us because you camp out. Wherever you are, the Spirit of God is there. So enjoy your summer. Go camping. Uh, and remember the incredible privilege that when you enter a campground, now the Spirit of God enters the campground. Or when you go back to work, the Spirit of God enters the place because you're there. Right? And now you're paying attention for opportunities to share your faith or you're paying attention for opportunities to help somebody out in the name of Christ, whatever it might be, whatever it might be. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and he wants to use you and he wants to touch people through you. Last year, kids were finally in bed at one of the campgrounds we were at. And uh, I looked around and I saw a guy just leaving his fire. I thought, oh, I'm a man of convenience, so why make my own fire when I can use that guy's? He's about to dump something on. I said, that's okay. If, if you don't mind, I'll sit by your fire. Well, little did I know that he says, well, okay. And he puts his chair back. Dope. So he sat down with me, and we had the best conversation. So we're sitting there, and he starts to ask me fabulous questions about what I did for a living. And, and not only that, but lots of people go, ugh. But at that point, he actually asked me lots of, what, what's some of your biggest struggles? And I'm just like, whoa, I don't even know you. Would. But this guy was also, uh, he delivered babies. I can't say that word. Obstetrician, thank you. Um, and uh, he was there, and he was also allowing me to ask him some hard questions. We had a great conversation, and we're still in contact. Once in a while, we just send a, a picture of the fish we caught or whatever. But 
we're still in conver- we're still in contact but in that conversation he was struggling a bit and he told me a story of wasn't that long ago where he was delivering a baby and uh, something was wrong with the baby and the baby needed to get out so he had to go in help that baby and in so doing broke the baby's arm right and delivered the baby safely everything was good but he just said I just felt so crummy like it was just so neat to see a human face to a guy that does this for a living but he was just so sad about it he went back to visit that family whose whose arm you know he broke the baby's arm and the family was tenting the family knew Jesus and they could see they paid attention to the cue that their doctor wasn't the same they could tell he was sad and they came around him and said thank you for what you've done and don't worry about it we're just so thankful we have a healthy little baby boy and brought him a little bit of peace and he found out that they were Christians after that that is the incarnation you guys that's tenting in your neighborhood and now the Lord sent me over to that campground and now we're in a relationship look what God is doing in that guy for that guy and he's doing the same for you if you're still teetering on whether you need a relationship take some time and start looking backwards and realize that God has been doing stuff he's been dropping breadcrumbs for you and he wants to tent among you and he wants you to become a tenter he wants you to have a relationship with Christ so that you can continue to camp among other people and show them the way, the freedom that we have in Christ. Lord, thank you for this. I thank you that um, Scripture just makes so much sense when we take some time to uh, when we take some time to to actually look back at some of the amazing things that you've done, right from the Old Testament to write the New Testament to what you're doing today. And I ask the Lord Jesus that today you would give us a glimpse of your glory when we realize even that there's truth, that there's verification, that there is uh, faithfulness, that there's dependability in scripture, but give us a glimpse of that glory and when we're in awe that we actually get to spend time with the almighty God, Lord, we're blown away by your incarnation that you actually pursued us that you put on skin and now, Lord, we get to be a mouthpiece for you. Now, Lord, we get to be tenters for you Now, wherever we go, wherever we're a part of how we treat our wife, how we hang out with our kiddos, where we shop, wherever we go, the presence of Christ is there because the Holy Spirit of God resides in us. And I love it because not only is that inspiring, but it's transforming. So if today, if somebody is here this morning that's really struggling with A, coming to Christ, Lord, rip that veil off their face so that today they can realize that they can push into you, that they realize that they do not have to be perfect, but that you died on the cross for their sins and let them, Lord, today trust in you. If somebody's been treating their spouse poorly, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would help transform them today and they would start seeing that spouse through the, through the eyes of Christ. Or maybe somebody's struggling with depression. May you, Lord, bring spirit of freedom there and help them to see themselves through the eyes of Christ. But whatever we're doing, if we think our life right now is shambles, we can't pay the bills, whatever, we are where we are supposed to be right now. And help us realize that the Shekinah, the doxa, the glory of God is in this situation, in this place, because the spirit of God lives in us as followers of Jesus Christ.
We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to point out there too that if you are one of those folks that is contemplating coming to Christ, we got folks that would love to pray with you. Love it. So if you have questions, uh, if you're a lady or young lady, we got two ladies right up front here. That would be fantastic to meet with them. Uh, Ed and Eileen, are, where I heard some amens. Okay, <laughs> they're in the back. If you want to talk to somebody, uh, the Herchucks here, they love the Lord, Weston and myself. If there is something that you want to talk about coming to Christ or even something that you want prayer for, while the music is going on, come and talk to us. We would love to help you with the presence of Christ and maybe just uphold you or introduce you to Jesus Christ for the first time. Amen.